Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Dave and Dujanovic have Inside Sources. All right, now we're ready to rock and roll with Boyd Matheson of Inside Sources. Taylor Morgan in today for Dave Noriega. Boyd just running into studio from the newsroom to give us a lowdown on President Biden's student loan forgiveness plan and the arguments before the United States Supreme Court today. Uh, Taylor, before we bring Boyd into the conversation, any any hot takes on whether you think this this plan will be upheld by the Supreme Court? Not a chance. Tell not, us how you really feel. I'm not, an, <laughs> I'm not an attorney. I'm not a constitutional scholar. But I see the makeup of this court, and I just see the reality of this program and how it was done by executive order. Do not sell yourself short. Uh, you are currently involved in the political process day in and day out in Utah on Capitol Hill. As a lobbyist, you also run a politically connected public relations firm, and you worked back in D.C. in the House. I did. So you, it's not as though you're just... I'm not a just, total dummy, is what you're saying. <laughs> and, and again, I you did... You understand pay, the process. I Can paid, I come in and defend Taylor I paid <laughs> off my last loan a week before this program was ordered, which Student means loan. I'm responsible for it. Right. This yeah. is my fault. Well, you already made it. You're welcome, America. <laughs> uh, Boyd, um, Taylor's given this an absolute no, no chance at all from what your inside sources are telling you. <laughs> Probably yeah. much the same. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's really interesting because it will really come down to, to two arguments. One will be the standing argument. Do these states really have standing? Have they really been harmed? Uh, by what this program that was done by executive order, as Taylor said. Uh, so that will be one question. Uh, will any of the conservative justices, uh, conservatives have been very heavy on you have to have standing? Yeah, they've uh, in actually dismissed some cases mm-hmm. exactly. along the way or not listened to or taken up the arguments because they don't believe the parties have had standing. That's not right. in this case, but in others. Exactly. And uh, Judge Katanji Brown Jackson made that very poignant this morning in uh, some of her opening statements as she was uh, questioning the the state's representatives uh, saying, look, if you guys have standing, we've totally redefined what standing is. That could unravel a whole lot of other cases. So very interesting from the junior member of the court uh, to really call out the court on the standing issue. The other side, of course, is the separation of powers in terms of uh, what the president can and can't do. It's this major questions doctrine. Uh, if it's going to be something significant, Congress needs to do it by law rather than the president doing it uh, with a cell phone and a pen. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> Is this just one more example, boy? Do you think of executive orders running amok? Yeah, it is, and it doesn't matter which party does it. Right, it doesn't yeah. matter who the the occupant of the Oval Office is. What is done by executive order either gets undone by executive order by the next president of a different party, or it starts the legal process. Because as soon as something's done by executive order, immediately someone's going to file a lawsuit, and then it works its way up through the court. And that's why we have such contentious, such politicized Mm -hmm. hearings for Supreme Court nominees, because Congress isn't doing their job. And because Congress isn't doing their jobs, presidents are more than happy to take that power, do it by executive order, and that's why we end up in the courts. When I look at the total tab that could potentially be wiped out if this 
program is upheld if the courts side with the president. $400 billion in student loan debt, gone. 40 million Americans affected, except for Taylor Morgan, who paid his off a week early, <laughs> which is, is – it seems kind of for unfair. the good of the nation, you uh, did yeah, that. But see, I, I know why yeah. you did it, and you did, you, you did what you thought was the right thing to do, and it, it is the right thing to do, right? You take out a loan, yeah. you pay it back. Yeah. Um, but $400 billion total – do we have a larger discussion, and we've been hinting at this all morning long, that needs to be held and had about the ridiculous price of obtaining a bachelor's degree? $9,000, $9,500 a semester just for tuition. And then you tack on all these what I call mystery fees, yeah. which are additional <laughs> thousands of dollars along the way. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm looking at if a kid lives off campus, kid. 20 something year old lives off campus it is go for your degree would cost them you know a hundred thousand dollars yeah do we need to have a larger discussion and is student loans at least partially responsible for driving up the price to these wildly expensive uh degrees no question about it and uh, let me take you down the rabbit hole (laughs) here we go yeah so here's a really interesting component that not a lot of people are talking about so uh under current law A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, a student could, could pay 20% of their income each year towards their student loan. And then after 25 years, anything left gets wiped off the books. Okay. Under the president's executive order plan, you only have to pay 5% of your income over 10 years. Whoa. And then everything gets wiped out. So basically for the price of cable TV payment every month, 68 bucks a month, you could do that for 10 years and then the rest mm. of your student loan do a ton down. And so wow. now so now let's get to the real dollars and cents of it. So okay. that's an interesting thing. Uh, and of course, as you said, Debbie, the institutions are no dummies. So here's how it here's <laughs> how it ratchets that. up. Uh, in the year 2000, it was about 14.8 thousand uh, a year uh, for the college. Then by 2010, it went up to 23 thousand, and now in 2023, we're at 37.6 thousand mm. uh, for a and, degree. For a degree. Okay. Uh, I think that's even low, but go uh, ahead. Yeah, yeah. yeah state, I would argue. Yeah, this is not a Harvard. This is not a Stanford. Depending on what degree you get. Exactly. Right? Okay. Uh, but just on the on wow. those basics alone, uh, you're going from you know over a 20 year period, you're going up you know more, triple uh, basically in terms of the cost, uh, and so of course that's driving it when institutions know there's more money, or or if a student knows. Hey, you know what? I'm only going to have to pay ten percent, or I'm only going to have to pay five percent of whatever my income is over ten years. Then I can wipe out the rest of my loans. Um, that's that doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure yeah. out. <laughs> yeah, and, and the irony there is that going to college should give you more income, and a 
greater ability to pay off those loans. That's kind of the whole idea, yeah, isn't it? Exactly. So limiting your those loan repayments to such a small portion of your income seems like we're defeating the entire purpose. Yeah, we had a really interesting conversation yesterday uh, with someone from the Washington Post, and they were talking about where this is becoming a problem for the president and for the Democratic Party. They have this U-shaped party that has a lot of upper class, upper income, and then lower class, lower income. So they don't have that middle class that they used to really have in the Democratic Party. Hmm. And that's starting to impact policy decisions just like this. Hmm. Uh, A lot of those who are going to benefit from this program uh, are going to be upper middle class people who have earned a degree at an expensive institution. And they still aren't making a ton of money because they're very early in their career. So they qualify. I mean, think about it. A married couple just coming out of college, they can make up to 250000 a year so that is and so, still qualify. I have to say, that mm. has that number, I don't... You know, I don't know if they were behind the scenes using all the the, the big calculators back in D.C. to come up with $125,000 a year. You could qualify for loan forgiveness as a single person. $250,000 a year as a married couple. That just seems like astronomical. Like that's a lot of money that folks are making and they're still getting these loans forgiven. Do we have any insight at all as to how they came up with these numbers? Or do they just say like use the that sounds good meter? <laughs> it seems yeah. crazy. That sounds, yeah. 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 Although the rest of us are like that seems wildly uh like a, that seems like a wildly high income level to be forgiving these yeah, so think, loans. So think who it benefits. It benefits a lot of those who are Big-time donors, yeah. Yeah. big-time players. Yeah. Uh, and so what so you're saying be- is maybe political. 100% political. Okay, 100% I have to add something. Political. Go ahead. Something crazy about this. I worked in, uh, in Congress for a committee in Congress for a few years. While I was working there, the committee was paying me a salary and benefits, and also they were paying for my graduate school, the tuition, mm-hmm. right? Well, I could have used that time working for Congress. That was eligible for a 20 thousand dollar public service relief of student loan debt so you could have pocketed money on that i could and i didn't (laughs) apply for that because i thought it was absurd (laughs) it was just absurd and so we're going we're giving forgiveness to jobs and roles and experience that is is honestly it's uh entitled it's privileged well you 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 were already Compensated. Are I was compensated. Were, were getting... I had my school paid for, yeah. and it led to career opportunities. Why? Why should the government be paying me for mm-hmm. the time that I was already paid for? Yeah, exactly. And so that's where you get to coming back full circle to your question, Tim. Who was in the room where it happened? Uh, yeah. And there were people in the room where it happened. Uh, and a lot of that is those political tugs and pulls, and it happens on on both sides of the aisle. This one in particular is one that I think the president is really struggling with. I think the Democratic Party is increasingly struggling with uh, because they're they're starting to make a lot of policy decisions that benefit that upper middle class yeah. to upper class, uh, and then they're going to turn around and figure out. Okay, now how do we keep Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid rolling? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that tension continues to grow. And President Biden is walking a really fine tightrope uh, on a lot of that. But uh, this uh, student loans is really just this is turning into a big debacle. A, it's a, a big political debacle. Uh, he put the cart before the horse, came out with the announcement, and now the Supreme Court is you know taking it up. It could take months. So I got I got a plan for political parties. Don't make promises you don't know if you can keep. <laughs> Oh, Debbie, what are they going to talk about? <laughs> Thanks, Boyd. Thanks. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. 
And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Podcasts.